Welcome to the Robert J. Morgan Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you believe and cherish the Bible and to learn and love Christian history and hymnody. I'm producer Joshua Rowe, introducing your host, Robert J. Morgan. Be sure to visit robertjmorgan.com where you'll find Rob's blog posts, podcast feed, bookstore, free resources, and more. If you've not already, be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review. Now here's your host, Robert J. Morgan. Whatever happens, learn the secret to contentment. That one sentence summarizes our entire Bible study today as we approach the end of our ongoing studies through the book of Philippians. I'm happy to tell you that all of this material will be published next year by W Publishing under the title, Whatever Happens, Stand Firm in Your Faith When the World is Falling Apart. We'll let you know when it's available for pre-order. But in the meantime, don't forget my other books, including 100 Bible Verses That Made America and The 50 Final Events in World History. You can find them all at your favorite book distributor or at my website, robertjmorgan.com. One of the best reasons for going to Washington, D.C. is to visit the museums, especially the various Smithsonian museums and the National Gallery, and of course my favorite museum, the Museum of the Bible. Don't miss that one. But there's one museum I want to see more than any of the others, but I can't get into it. It's arguably the most fascinating museum in Washington, but it's off limits to you and to me. It's the secret museum of the Central Intelligence Agency located inside the CIA headquarters in Langley, Virginia. It occupies 11,000 square feet of space and contains all kinds of spy gadgets and espionage memorabilia and unusual weapons. The only thing is that the only people who can visit it are employees of the CIA. Washington is a city of top secrets and classified information. There is so much we as average citizens do not know. I hope the government will declassify all the files related to the assassination of President Kennedy, for example. I remember that event so that we'll finally know who shot the man. Well, the Lord has secrets, too, and sometimes he declassifies some of them for us, which brings us to our passage today in Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 13. Please look at this with me, and if you can grab a Bible and open it, then you can study right from your own scriptures. Philippians chapter 4, beginning with verse 10. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord, that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. The Apostle Paul had learned one of God's secrets. He said, I have learned the secret. It's very interesting to think of God having secrets. 
but this is what the Bible says. For example, look at Deuteronomy chapter 29. In this chapter, Moses is very old and nearing the end of his time on earth. He gathered the nation of Israel together and led them to renew their commitment to God. He explained what the Lord would do for them if they remained true for him and what the Lord would do if they forsook him. And Moses implored them to obey the law they had been given. And the last verse of the chapter, Deuteronomy 29, 29, says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may follow all the words of his law. Now, God has revealed to us a great deal of information. He has given us all 66 books of the Bible, plus all of the physical universe as a classroom. We can study it all, but there are some things he has not told us. I mean, after all, he is omniscient. We cannot possibly know everything that God knows because God knows everything there is to be known. Isaiah 55 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my thoughts higher than your thoughts. But God is a God who reveals his secrets as we need to know them. Isaiah chapter 45, verses 2 and 3 said, I will go before you and will level mountains. I will break down gates of bronze and cut through bars of iron. I will give you the hidden treasures, riches stored up in secret places, so that you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, who summons you by name. This was originally addressed to King Cyrus as a prophetic utterance by Isaiah. But there's an application here for us. God gives us the hidden treasures of his secrets. And when Jesus came, he revealed more secrets, helping us to formulate a clearer picture of the gospel. He told his disciples in Matthew chapter 13, verse 11, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom. The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom have been given to you. And he's referring to the gospel and all of its implications. But when it came to God's secrets, there was one thing, a secret that not even Jesus and his humanity knew, the exact time of his second coming. He said, but about that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. The Lord was keeping it at a secret, and it's still a secret from us. We do not know the day or the hour when Jesus will come again. Well, God had one secret that the Apostle Paul learned over time. He figured it out. Look at this passage again in Philippians 4. Verse 10 says, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. Now, he is referring here to the gift that they sent him, which we've talked about in earlier episodes. You may want to go back and have a listen to how Epaphroditus came from Philippi to Rome, found Paul in prison, offered his own services, and gave him the financial gift the Philippians had sent to him. The Philippians, as I said in an earlier episode, had always been Paul's best supporting church, sending him the needed funds again and again. 
And this time they had sent money by the hand of Epaphroditus, and so Paul was thanking them. But he went on to say in verse 11, even though I am so grateful that you gave me this gift, I am not acknowledging it or saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. Notice that simple uh, phrase, that statement, I have learned to be content. And he goes on in verse 12 to explain what he means. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. Some days, Paul was staying in the wealthy villas of his friends and being cared for by rich Christians who were extending to him hospitality. But other times, he was traveling, exposed to the weather, having to scramble for food, having to work to try to take care of his needs, and sometimes just stuck flat out in jail. But he was as content in one situation as he was in the other. He had learned that. And then in the next verse, Paul repeated himself, but he goes further. He says, I have learned the secret, the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Now, the Greek word that Paul used here is amazing. When he said, I have learned the secret, he was using a Greek technical term. Now, in English, this is five words, I have learned the secret. But in Greek, that entire phrase is given in just one short verb, me ma amai, me ma amai. I have learned the secret, and it's the only time this word occurs in the Bible. And it was really a book from, or a word from an unusual source. It really means to be initiated into mysteries. And in secular Greek usage, it had to do with the mysteries of the magical cults. To become a candidate for some of the mystery religions, you had to go through initiations and rituals, and you learn these mysteries, and you had to make vows of silence about them. In the Second Temple period, it was sometimes used to describe the top-secret information that a king had issued involving a war or involving a matter of national security. Well, Paul used this term. He said, I have learned something that is top-secret, that is classified information, that is from a divine source. He had uncovered one of God's best secrets. He said, I have learned the secret of being content, the secret to contentment. Now, that is a very, very th- th- a very hard thing to learn. Uh, at some level, uh, we should be more contented than we are, and me most of all. If we were truly contented, as Paul was, we would have learned to be just as satisfied in our heart if we were in a hospital bed as well as in our bed at home if we are living in a one-room apartment or in a three-story house, if we are single or if we are married, if we're in a Motel 6 or in the Waldorf Astoria, we should be just as happy in coach as we are in first class, in failure and defeat as we are in success and victory. We should be just as content in losing a game as well as in winning it if we have done our best. Now, I'm not saying that all of those things are true for me. I'm not always content 
when things are not the way that I want them to be. I have not yet learned Paul's secret, at least not nearly to the extent that he had learned it, but I am trying to work on it. In order to get there, we need to define this term contentment. What is it? What is the meaning of being contented? Well, I've worked on a definition of my own, and it's the best I can do. I want to suggest it to you and see if you would agree. Only two words. Contentment is quiet joy. It is a sense of quiet joy. Contentment is not loud joy. It's not shouting in exuberant, uh, exuberance. It's not like the finale of a fireworks show. It is a quiet joy, like the sound of a gentle rain or the purring of a cat. It's the green pastures and the still waters of Psalm 23. It's the glow of a campfire as the embers are dying down or the sound of leaves crunching under our feet in the fall. It's a hot cup of tea sweetened with honey and good to the last drop. It's lighting a candle on an overcast day or having an extra blanket on a very cold night. It is the quiet joy of knowing the eternal God is our refuge and underneath us are the everlasting arms. We may not have everything we want or even everything we need, but we do have Him, and that should give us an inward, quiet joy that we call contentment. It is quiet joy. I read recently a man who wrote about this, Pastor Eric Raymond. He wrote a book called Chasing Contentment, and he had a very similar definition. It's a little bit longer. But he said, contentment is the inward, gracious, quiet spirit that joyfully rests in God's providence. Well, the Bible devotes several verses to this. Psalm 132 David, in that psalm, Psalm 132, verse 2, said, I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. And in 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul said, Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we should be content with that. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5 says, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have, because God has said, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Whether we are as rich as a billionaire or whether we are a pauper, we have the Lord Jesus with us, and we should have the quiet joy that the world doesn't give and the world can never take away. Well, Paul didn't say that he had simply learned contentment. He said he had learned the secret to contentment. Contentment is one of the Lord's secrets. It's one that Paul somehow uncovered. In other words, God has a secret code that unlocks contentment, and Paul discovered it over time. What is it? Well, I know what it is. And I'm not going to sell it to you. I'm going to give it to you for free absolutely without charge, God's secret code to discovering and learning to be content are the numbers 413, which is the very next verse, Philippians 4.13. The secret to contentment is 
I can do all this through the one who gives me strength. Now, we love that verse, and many people have adopted it as their life verse. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, as it says in the older translations. And it's an absolutely wonderful verse. But the greatest thing about it is that one verse is the secret that Paul was referring to when he said, I've learned the secret to contentment, and the secret to contentment is this, that I can do it through the one who strengthens me to do it. Let me read this verse from several different uh, different translations so that we can get the force of it. The Good News translation says, I have the strength to face all conditions by the power that Christ gives me. J.B. Phillips said, I am ready for anything through the strength of the one who lives within me. The translation called The Voice says, I can be content in any and every situation through the anointed one who is my power and strength. And that great old Amplified Bible says, I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength into me. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. Now, this verse, I can do all things, is not an absolute promise that you can do anything that you want to, of course. God is not promising that you'll be able to run a four-minute mile or make a million dollars or hike the Appalachian Trail from Georgia to Mount Katahdin in Maine in one season. Perhaps he will help you to do one or all of those things if it's his will. But this verse really has exactly the opposite meaning. It means that whether you reach all of your goals or ambitions or not, he will still give you the strength to maintain in your heart his quiet joy. Many Christian athletes write Romans 4.13 on their arms or on their sneakers. That's a good thing. But it doesn't mean that God will give us the strength to win every single event we compete in but that he will give us the strength to do our best and then handle the outcome with a sense of inner peace and satisfaction, whatever happens. In other words, when we are in Christ, we have everything he needs, and he infuses us with the strength we need to live with contentment, whatever the circumstances, knowing he is with us, he is working, and he has a wonderful everlasting eternity ahead for us. The secret, in other words, to contentment. The secret is Jesus himself and the strength he brings to our hearts when he enters any situation with us. Being content depends on your content. It depends on having Jesus Christ within you by the Holy Spirit. Recently, I've circled back to an old gospel song about guidance. I've needed to know what to do about some things in my life, and it's been a time of transition and change for me. But the Lord directed my attention back to that great old song, He Leadeth Me. And one of the verses says, Lord, I would place my hand in thine, nor ever murmur nor repine, content, whatever lot I see, since tis my God that leadeth me. Content. Whatever lot I see, since tis God's hand that leadeth me. 
Let's be content whatever lot we see, and let's learn the secret of the great apostle, who said, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in poverty or in plenty. I can do all this through Christ, who infuses me with his own strength in any and every circumstance. Well, thanks so much for digging into the riches of the Bible with me. And remember to check out my website, robertjmorgan.com, as well as my books wherever you like to purchase your reading material. This episode was produced by Joshua Rowe and the marketing company, Clearly Media. Audio editing is by Jared Brummett. Editorial supervision is by Sherry Anderson. And Luke Tyler takes each of these episodes, condenses them, adds an opening outline, and posts them as blogs on my website at robertjmorgan.com so that this material is just as accessible for you as we can make it. Music is by Jordan Davis. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in, and may God be with you until we meet again.